Welcome from the deep. I am Mike the Finder. And I am Book of Brett. And today we're going to be talking about the 2023 film, It's a Wonderful Knife. But before we get into that, I just want to do some housekeeping here. If you're only listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you go check out the YouTube channel because we put a lot of content over on the YouTube channel that does not make its way over onto the podcast platform. And if you're only... And it's the only way you'll get to enjoy this hat that I have. <sighs> yeah. You just had to bring it up. I was going to ignore it. And then if you're uh, no, watching, acknowledging this, <laughs> and then if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you go check out all of your favorite platforms for podcasts because we are on all of them. Just search up Every from the deep one of them. and you will find us. So I saw this movie, It's a Wonderful Knife, in theaters last month toward the end of November. It was kind of one of those, like, I want to go see a movie, what's out, and because I'm a psychopath and I only go and see horror movies generally in the theater. Ever. Um, <laughs> you were just giving me Gen shit about this yesterday, Gen actually. Generally my ass. It's not general. <laughs> no, I see, stuff, I see stuff like Oppenheimer and, and other things that come out. What movies this year have you seen that weren't horror movies? Uh, I saw Wish. Which, okay. Uh, I also saw Little Mermaid. I saw Landscape. Really? With, yeah. I saw Landscape with Invisible Hand. Um, okay. I, I mean, I could go through my letterbox, but I don't only I see don't that, that stuff. Uh, I also recently saw The the Holdovers, which I fucking <laughs> loved. I don't know if you've seen The Holdovers yet. Oh, no. I want to watch Bro, that so bad, though. it's so fucking good so I've heard good. nothing but good things about it and i will watch anything that paul giamatti's in. uh yeah and alexander payne directed that and he's the same guy that did sideways which is arguably my favorite non-horror movie ever so it's it's literally so because you relate to the wrong character too strongly uh, yes maybe a little bit but it's it's those two together again paul giamatti and alexander payne and dude, it's amazing. Anyway, I do see other things in theaters, but this uh, when I saw It's a Wonderful Night. just won't let me. <laughs> what does that mean? That we don't every <laughs> you can go to the theater without us doing a review. That's a possibility. It's that's not gonna that's what I do all the time, like almost every I weekend. Have to, I have to be given a reason to leave the house. You know this. Yeah, but if you don't look for the reason, you're never going to leave the house. Okay, I'm not taking life advice from you. That's not what this is about. That's not life it, advice. That's just if, if you would like to go see things in the theater that are not no, horror, but then that go was see teeter, them. That was teetering on the verge of like a Tony Robbins seminar. No, I'm just saying you said I have to be given a reason to leave the house. And I'm and I'm telling you, if you never look and see what's out in theater, you will never be like, I should go to the theater. And I know That's this true. and I know this because I never did this until I got the AMC pass at the beginning yeah. of this year. And I checked the app at least once or twice a week just to see what's out. And and it and, and for instance, like I um, I had plans to go see Godzilla minus one. And and that's something I would have not paid any attention to if it wasn't for Twitter and the AMC app. So anyway, I'm getting off traffic here. The reason I went to go see It's a Wonderful Knife is because at the time I had seen pretty much everything else that was in theaters um, and I wanted to go to the movies and I, I watched the trailer for this and It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's great. Way up there, way up there. And when I read the title, It's a Wonderful Knife, it made me laugh and then I realized Oh, this is kind of a take on that same idea, but done in the horror genre, which I don't think has been done before. It hasn't been done before and was not executed properly here, but we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into that. So if, do you want to give us a uh, synopsis of It's a Wonderful Knife from 2023? Yes. Uh, it's a Wonderful Knife from 2023 is the story of a girl trying to figure out the meaning of her existence while the rest of us try to figure out how the fuck this got greenlit. That's terrible. All right. So if we jump over, <laughs> that's absolutely awful. If we jump over to the podcast drive in here, it's a wonderful knife from 2023. It's rated R. It's an hour and 27 minutes. It was directed by Tyler McIntyre, written by Michael Kennedy, stars Jane Whittip. Joel McHale and Justin Long and the one sentence synopsis on IMDb says after saving her town from a psychotic killer, Winnie Carruthers life is less than wonderful. When she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe where without her, things could be much 
much worse. You know, I I know you said one sentence because they, they normally are. They usually are. are. No, no, I know, but that was way too long. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. That why why was that not just? It's a wonderful knife. Is it's a wonderful life in horror <laughs> like that? It, that could have been the whole thing. That could have been the. You fu- you're dead fucked up, IMDb. Well, I think, uh, I could be wrong here, but I believe that this is a Shudder original. If I pull this up, yeah, you can believe, see it yeah. says Shudder at the bottom. You can't see it on the yeah. screen, but it's it's there, I promise. Um, yep. And so this is like, when I, wa- when I went into this, knowing it was a Shudder original and having watched the trailer, I was pretty excited because I was like, this seems like a fun idea. And as you can see, it's got a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. So, um, you know... <laughs> I will say this. All I have seen are super polarizing opinions on this movie. People either fucking love this movie or fucking hate it. I personally have seen very few people in between, uh, which is why I find it interesting that it has a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. So just like we talked last week, we're going to do we're going to do as spoiler free as we can. There's not a ton of spoilers in this movie to really talk about. Um, so it's going to be a mostly spoiler free talk. I think this conversation, but when we do get into any spoilers, we will let you guys know. So yep. what did you think of? It's a wonderful knife. I'm super interested because you have hyper opinionated, uh, feelings about, um, the, 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 the source material. Uh, well, no, I, I was going to say shitty characters, generally speaking. Oh, so, yeah. uh, and this movie is just full of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, uh, every character in here is terrible. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, it's a wonderful life. Like Mike is one of my all time favorite Christmas movies. Um, I have, you know, I have my issues with the religious aspects of it, but you take those away and it's still a phenomenal movie. It's shot brilliantly. You have characters you care about. You have a story that is beautiful objectively. Um, This is everything but that. Um, I I found this to be uh, written lazily. Uh, I found every ounce of humor in this to fall flat. Uh, there is one part in this movie that made me laugh and only one part in this movie that made me laugh. And it's the part in the party where the uh, the girl in the flannel look, look, goth looking girl uh, looks at her and goes, who are you? <laughs> it's the only part of this movie that made me laugh. There is nothing funny. They, they try so hard to make these funny moments. Um, Justin Long is great. I will say that. Uh, but I like Justin Long. Uh, I've always liked Justin Long. I don't think I've ever seen Justin Long in something where I hated what he was doing. Uh, he's had projects that I liked less and more or more or less than others. But for the most part, I always really liked Justin Long. And it was really fun to see him as a creeper. Uh, not just as a, uh, and this isn't a spoiler because you find this out in the first like 15, 20 minutes before the title card even shows up, but to see him at, well, it's a little bit of a spoiler. I'm not going to do that. To see him as who he is in this movie is a lot of fun. And that is where the redeeming qualities of this movie stop. <laughs> um, it's not funny. The cool, the, some of the kills are kind of cool. It is predictable to no end, to no end. Um, it's, uh, who's the guy that plays her dad? What's his name? He was in Joel Community. McHale. Joel McHale. I like Joel McHale too. Um, there is a, a, they are trying way too hard to appeal to the millennial, uh, or not the millennial, but the Gen Z audience. Um, I'm not going to get into why I think that because (laughs) I think my opinions are going to be misconstrued as being something that they aren't. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not that, but they're trying way too hard to appeal to the Gen Z audience in this. Um, and overall it's just a really, really shitty movie. It's just a bad movie. Um, I was now I will say I was going into this with preconceived ideas, which you can't help but do when you have a title like this. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get It's a Wonderful Life with Blood and Gore, but I was hoping to get some semblance of that in here. 
And really the only way we get that is by her making a wish on Aurora Borealis. Um, and the way that is explained away is no less shitty than the rest of this movie. Okay. Um, those are this some... movie's, this movie, to, to sum it all up, this movie was garbage <laughs> lit on fire and subjected <laughs> upon my psyche for an hour and a half. I hated this movie. Uh, I can tell. So I, ch I, dude, I, ch I checked out of this movie about 30 to 40 minutes into it. I was over it. I wanted it to be done. And the only reason I made it to the end of this dumpster fire was because I had to do a review on it. Okay. Um, I mean, I knew the reason I picked this movie is because I knew you were going to have strong feelings about it. Obviously, um, you knew I was going to hate this movie. That's why you picked it. No, it's not. No, it's not that at all. I think that let the people know what you do to me. <laughs> See, this is this is why we all think he needs to be medicated a little more heavily because he, he has thoughts like this. Listen, everybody else hates unmedicated me. Brittany was not happy with medicated me, so we're going to go ahead and. Just not do that. Everyone sees the hat he's wearing, right? <laughs> everyone, everyone sees the glorious headdress. It's a headdress. Ugh. This goes beyond hat. This is headdressing. So, I, like I said, I knew you were going to have a lot of issues with this. Uh, partly because I know that you like It's a Wonderful Life. That's one of the things that... Love. You also are really, really into, like, uh, Christmas movies. Yeah. A lot more than I am. Uh, I, I, I I like Christmas horror. I think a little bit more than you do. So I, I always I always say I am the most uh, festive atheist you will ever meet. Yeah. So I, I that's part of the reason I wanted you to watch this because I, I going into it when I watched this last month I kind of thought like, I had really no expectations and I went in kind of cold to this mm -hmm. film and I think yeah. that really helped. Um, Did you not, you didn't have any expectations at all as far as like, when you say expectations, do you mean expectations on how you would feel or expectations on what this was going to be about? Yes. Um, okay. Uh, because See, I, I knew exactly what it was going to be. How do you not know what it's going to be about from the title though? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's not that I didn't know what it was going to be about. It's that I went into it with an open enough mind. I think at the time where I was just kind of like. I'm kind of okay with wherever this wants to go. Like I said, mm. I do like It's a Wonderful Life, but I am not hyper attached to it in the same way that I am The Grinch or uh, huh. Home Alone or any of those. Um, so for me, I don't hold it nearly as dear as, as in yeah. like, how could you fuck this up? Because it's one of my favorite things. So I think I right. just went into it with an open mind. And like I said, when I saw it in the theaters, I was just kind of like, I want to see a movie. Uh, and what's interesting is when I rewatched this last night, um, this is not a good rewatchable movie. Um, I rated this Wasn't a good watchable movie. I rated this higher the first time I watched it when I saw it in the theaters. And I think part of that is I, I generally um, enjoy seeing stuff in the theater a little bit more. So, you know, when you have that entire experience, especially I think there was one other person in the theater when I saw this. Um mm -hmm. You know, I, I enjoy that experience a lot more than just sitting down and streaming it. So I feel like this movie in the theater has a little bit more of a punch to it. And when I rewatched it last night, I did not like it nearly as much as I thought that I was going to on a rewatch. So you know, that's a really interesting thing to say, because I have found that I actually enjoy watching movies at home more than in theaters. Um, I also um, I I don't like going out much, <laughs> if you can't tell by just my personality in general. Um, I'm not a big fan of leaving the house unless I have like a big reason to do so. Um, now I will say that opinion does not apply to movies that should be seen in theaters, um, that should be seen in theaters. Oppenheimer comes to mind. Right. Um, uh, now, but I have noticed that seeing a movie in a theater makes me feel differently about it than if I see it at home. Yes. And I feel like seeing something at home, um, again, this comes down to me personally. At home, I'm in my comfort zone. And by being in my comfort zone, it allows me to experience the movie differently. Um, 
Now, again, this is all, I'm fully aware that this is a me and my broken ass brain kind of thing. Because like, if I go to a theater, there's almost like an anxiety about it for me. Like I'm almost sitting there waiting for somebody to ruin the movie. Um, and I know I, this is why I preface this with, this is why, but again, this is just, and this is off topic. I understand that, but my, I guess what I'm coming, what I'm coming back to is, do you find that the environment you're watching it, i.e. theater versus home, causes you to experience a movie in drastically different ways? I, I wouldn't say drastically, but I will, I will say that watching, especially this movie in a theater was a wildly different experience than watching it at home. Yeah. I, I, I think it was far more obvious how low budget it is when you're just in your apartment looking at a 60 inch TV, five feet from your face. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just a way different experience. Um, but I don't think it changes it that much, but I do think that having the experience of going to the movies will give you a slightly different perspective on it because this, go ahead. Your TV's five feet from your face. You've got to back your, back your ass up from that TV, buddy. Well, uh, it's more like eight, maybe. Um, okay, that's a far more either, acceptable either, either way, either way, okay. doesn't matter. Okay, um, I, I, I think that. Okay, so I have a lot different opinion on this than you do. I think um, when I went into this, I was, like I said, I was a little more open minded. So about twenty five minutes into it, uh, roughly the first uh, when the first act is over, I was kind of like. Um, this is not what I was expecting it to be, but I'm going to let them go where they want to go here. And I want to read you. <laughs> I, I kind of have a two part review here. I want to read you what I wrote November 13th when I saw this in theaters. Okay. This is so fucking weird, but it's also violent and heartfelt. It's filmed like a Hallmark Christmas movie, but has a little bit of awesome slasher parts in it. Justin Long is awesome and almost unrecognizable as the villain. I had low expectations for this, but this blew them all away, which to be fair, wasn't that hard. <laughs> this is tons of fun, and you can let go and if you can let go and let this movie take you wherever it wants to, it's fun, but it's definitely pandering and wants all the Gen Z kids to go see it. I couldn't help but think of the Panderverse while I was watching it. And I think that is the biggest problem this movie has is yep. the the constant pandering for who they yes. think the audience for this movie is. And what I mm -hmm. also think is interesting is when you're when you're doing a take on a movie like It's a Wonderful Life, sure we know it because we grew up on television and we were exposed to a lot more different media from the past than kids yeah. like Gen Z were. So it's a wonderful life used to play on TV exactly, every single exactly. year. On so loop. we have the reference point to what it's a wonderful life is. I don't know if Gen Z has that reference point. So it felt weird to me to be doing a take on it's a wonderful life while also trying to aim itself at Gen Z, who, again, I don't think have the That's reference to what this movie is. So it's a really good point. So, it felt super weird to me, but what I will say is I love how it feels like a violent Hallmark movie. That is maybe my favorite thing about this movie. It's lit super bright. Everybody's super flat most of the time. It's got this very TV movie Hallmark Christmas shit going on in the first half of it, which felt really refreshing to me. A lot of Christmas horror does not do that. It's a lot of Christmas horror tries to do the whole Black Christmas thing where they give you Christmas vibes in spades, but also make it super dark and weird. And, and with this, it almost felt like they made the conscious decision to go the complete opposite direction and go bright, bright lighting, super, super, you know, uh, Christmas, yeah, Hallmark Christmas ruined by a so, garbage ass color grade. Um, well, I didn't have nearly as much problem with the color grade because oh, I felt like God, that's that, that was it, part of what they were trying to do. Everything is super contrasty and and dark and 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 but also bright at the same time. I I don't know. I didn't have a problem with all of the technical stuff because it's super low budget. I don't know what the budget of this was. That would actually be an interesting thing to look up here real quick. 
That's the thing, though, is when everything else in this movie feels like a mistake, it's hard to sit there and go, oh, this was done on purpose versus, oh, this was just bad. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not turning off my ad blocker for you. Go fuck yourself. Um, here, let's look at this real quick. Christmas comes early for It's a Wonderful Knife with impressive opening weekend. It's a Wonderful Knife had an impressive opening weekend at the box office, making over 600000 despite the small budget. Um, oh, I thought maybe they were going to tell us what that budget was. Nope. The only thing that matters is uh, how much you made, Mike. Uh, ba, 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 so ba. Still in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> God damn it. Why wouldn't you tell me? It, it just says it was a very small budgeted horror film. And you can tell when you watch this that they didn't have a ton of money to go no. to go spend on this. And I, well, and and here's the thing. Oh, on wow. That it, note, it was in less than a thousand theaters. Wow. Here, here, here's the thing on that note. Um, I read a, uh, a review that was talking about um, how um, this was lit poorly and lit cheaply and that i did not agree with I, um I, I i don't agree that this was lit poorly um, i think that's part of what they were going the for like the flat look of like a hallmark movie no well that's the thing is that look is not poor lighting no it that sounds it, to me like a reviewer who doesn't know what yeah, the fuck they're talking I agree about with that it definitely standpoint. felt like a conscious decision on their part to right. do it that way for sure technically technically this movie is not bad no, uh, I, I I did not like the color grade. I I, I really really, re- I mean, from the first scene, I did not like the color grade on this movie. But that is not what ruined this movie for me because that's a subjective thing. Like I'm not gonna yeah. sit here and go, oh, this is what impacted my rating. I cannot like I cannot like something and assume and and still respect that that was a creative choice that should not impact my rating. Um, it, it's, uh, um, um, I was going to say Taylor Swift is a, is a great example, but she's awful in every context. Um, I was trying to, I, cause I'm trying to make a music reference here. No, Taylor Swift sucks in every, yeah, come at me in the fucking comments. She's, I don't care. She's supposed to she be like sucks. one of the she, nicest people in the entertainment industry. I'm sure, I'm sure she, I'm sure she's, I'm not shitting on her as a person either. She's got talent in the fact that we're not getting into that. We I will be here forever. Yeah, if I get into enough, that, I'm sure she's a lovely human being. I just don't like her stuff and I think it's bad. However, these are creative choices. Um, it's 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 like pop music, um, like Mariah Carey. I don't like Mariah Carey. Beyonce is another great example. I don't like their music. I don't like them as people either. They're terrible human beings. But I can recognize the talent that goes into yeah, it. It's even just if not I for you. Even if I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just not for me. There are things in here that are just not for me that I can recognize as being good. The flat lighting is a, is, is a great example. A flat lighting is supposed to be indicative of the genre that you're in, and it doesn't work in this genre, in my opinion. That doesn't mean it was bad. What's bad in this is everything around it. <laughs> are you talking about the writing specifically? The, specifically the writing. I'm talking like Okay, so when you say that, the do you mean dialogue? You don't I mean you didn't the, dialogue, like the dialogue, the setting, the plot, the way, the it, the way it's executed. Okay. I don't like anything about the way this movie was written. So did you see Freaky from 2020 with Vince Vaughn? No. Okay. I didn't either. I, I was hoping I, you- I remember every Vince Vaughn movie I've ever seen. Okay. So this was uh that's a little weird, but this was written. No, no, no. I mean that I meant that is in there aren't a lot of Oh, them. okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was written by Michael Kennedy, who okay. wrote Freaky as well. And if we go and look at his credits, Time Cut, which is in in production right now, or at least is set to come out next year. It's a Wonderful Knife and Freaky. And when I, I when I when I saw Freaky, I was like, oh, I think I've heard of that. And then I looked at the IMDb page for it and I was like, oh, no, I definitely don't know what this is. Um, so the guy that you were wrote it, of Freaky Friday. See that? Yeah, I may have just been getting it confused with with something else like that. I don't know. Um, but I just feel like this was written by somebody that doesn't have a ton of credits, and how this was made feels super low budget. And so I feel Which like it's not a problem. By the well, way, that's what I was going to say. So I feel like you kind of need to look at it through the lens of like this is 
not scream or or anything like that. This is much more of a like if you and I were to go try to hunt down a million dollars to try to make a movie that you and I wrote. Like that's how I feel about this yeah. movie and and because the idea is a little more high-minded than the budget may be allowed, that's kind of where most of the problems for me come in because it just feels like the idea is so much bigger than they had money for. And so all of it just doesn't quite work the way they wanted it to. But I'm going to give, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, but when we look at it through the lens of a smaller budget movie, I think they were actually able to accomplish a lot despite all of the CGI blood. It's fucking awful. And mm -hmm. it just felt cheap i hate cgi blood it's not that much more expensive yeah. to die fucking uh, okay it's i'm not so much no no dude dude practical blood is way cheaper that's that's what i'm saying i feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna go for low budget like just straight up do it old school there's a reason that all the guys in the 80s were doing it the way they were like mm -hmm. i i just don't see the upside of giving well, your they also they didn't have the the means of making CGI blood in the or CGI no, I know, blood but, back but then. But it's just it it's proof of concept that that it works. Not to mention holds up for longer when you do it right. that way. So totally, I'm I, I'm I'm going to be a little bit more fair to the writing because I don't I, I I don't I don't want us to be those reviewers that just every time we shit on something. I think of that uh, that Rob Zombie interview where he says uh, shitting on movies is not good reviewing. Yeah, um, I mean that's. Uh, so I'm I'm going to give the writing not the benefit of the doubt, but I'm going to ease off on it a little bit here. And I'm going to say it's not that this is written by it doesn't feel like it's written by somebody who doesn't have a lot of credits, maybe doesn't know what they're doing. It feels like somebody who wrote a script and then wasn't told, hey, let's flesh out these details or just consciously didn't flesh out these details because I really feel like given more time with the script, we'd actually have a more solid script here, but all of that is not going to change the fact that this is one of the most pandering horror movies I've seen in a long time. It's definitely in there. I, I, it's pandering I, as a motherfucker. I, I hate to say this. I feel like I've just gotten sort of forced into submission of just being like, this is just how it is now. And most movies feel like this to me now, where it's like that that fucking Panderverse episode. Put a chick in it. Make her gay. I, right. I, I don't care that they're gay, but right. at a certain point, there's... Well, I, I've, how do I, I say so this so without I, being canceled? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try. I, I, I'm gonna try and hold your hand through this one for a second. Um, so I've said this before. When you have characters that are of these groups, there's nothing wrong with these groups. I've said this millions and millions of times. It's not that these groups are being included. It's that they're being included for the sake of a cash grab when these movements and these groups are completely valid. And what you have is a studio going for a cash grab by injecting them into a space that doesn't feel natural. You don't have these things happening around them because it's a natural part of the plot. You, it, it, feels forced, it feels injected in there on purpose. And so the issue is not that these characters exist, not that these people are being represented. The problem is that they're being represented for vain surface reasons, not because it feels genuine and like it should be there to begin with. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. But you have, but I have, I have, I have so many friends that are part of the LGBTQ community that even they see stuff like that, and it frustrates them because what it ends up doing is it ends up doing a disservice to this stuff, where it just, where it makes people go, why, why, why is that that? Even, even with, even with Brittany, my wife identifies as not a hardcore feminist in a hateful way, but in a hardcore feminist where she'll sit there and go. Ugh, out loud to shit. And I have to sit there and go, what? Because I'm not part of that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have her perspective on it. And even she'll sit there. And when she sees something that feels like it's just pandering to, for the sake of pandering, even she'll sit there and go, that's not helping us at all. Well, 
and all this is to say that, you know, we haven't even really touched on the story. We're, we're mostly talking about external factors than the story here on this one. And I feel like it's kind of impossible to not talk about that shit in this movie because it is all so goddamn glaring. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Again, I, I agree with everything you just said for the most part, and I may cut this out. Maybe you want me to. You tell me. Um, on the phone, when we talked about this before, you had pointed to a percentage why are so many of the characters in this movie gay versus right. <laughs> I, I, I said that. Well, and I can't say, I mean, I may, I may have said that on the phone, um, half joking too. No, you, you don't. However, yeah, yeah. However, you were not going, um, the percentage isn't right. No, no. That was not the, 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 the sentiment was not, there's too many gays. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the thing was, it, it, the, the, the it felt forced. It's the best way yeah. of doing it. It, it feels pandering. Forced. Yeah. It felt like part of the pandering aspect. It felt, but again, I don't know how to talk about that without it sounding like I have an issue with there being gay or trans people in it's, here. It's the problem is that like even bringing it up. Right. So what I'm going to say, what I'm going to say here is yes, I noticed it. But I can also respect the fact that this might have made marginalized people feel represented. However, it impacted the movie for me. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. I just have never felt. And again, cis white male here. So I have just never felt seeing another cis white man on screen going, yeah. Yeah, I feel represented by that. Like that is not right. not something that I well, personally have ever felt, and maybe it's because that's been that's been in, of in everything since you know yep. forever. So that that might definitely be part of it. But this is why this is this is goes back to what I always used to say about Jordan Peele when Jordan Peele came out and he was at I believe it was Berkeley, and he said. I can't ever see myself casting a white lead. I had a big problem with that because to me, it felt like racism in reverse. But if I think about how every source of media that I love, if I were a, if I were not white, literally because, because this will apply to literally anyone who's not white. If you look at everything that is a staple of entertainment for the last 80 to hundred plus years, you don't have a ton of representation. You had representation back in the 70s, and let's be honest, it didn't do a lot of help to those communities, like black exploitation movies and stuff like that that I'm talking about. So my point is this all comes back to, to me, it feels like pandering to these people, but it might be the same feeling that marginalized people have had every time they go into a movie and they're like, I don't have anything to relate to. here." And this is why I say, I feel like I've just kind of gotten used to this whole thing. And, and like, I felt the same way about multiple fucking movies this year. It's in goddamn nearly everything. So it's gotten to a point where like, I used to get kind of upset, like more pandering. And now I just kind of feel like, we're just kind of at a point where if you don't accept that they're going to pander uh, to the generation below us, especially in horror, because we are not the target demo for horror anymore. Uh, for some stuff we are for, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say the lighthouse is, is aimed at Gen Z. That's a very high minded, mm. like more mature adult movie, but it's also a great example of what happens when you make a movie without an ulterior. Exactly. Motive. That, that, that movie says a lot without like being in your face about it, but that's, well, that's, that's a smarter way to do something like that versus just putting someone who is marginalized in, in a movie just to check off that box, her relationship with her boyfriend and the fact that he's been cheating on her makes sense within the context of this movie and the plot, right. her kissing weirdo at the end feels pandering. And, and it yep. literally because happens for not, no goddamn reason. And she gives you right. no reason to expect exactly. that from her based on the entire hour and a half before that. So I think we're straying a little too far from, from the original. Yeah, oh, oh, you're going to have to cut yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. out for time alone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
Let's get back to let, let, let's get back to what makes this movie the shit pile dumpster fire that it really is. Um, the, the we get we get this part of a where, where like the whole Aurora Borealis thing that felt pandering too, because uh, oh it can't be God. And again, this is coming from somebody who's an atheist. I am a straight up atheist in every sense of the word, and this time. It's Aurora Borealis. And can we talk about why the spirit of Justin Long, who she. Yeah, weirdo we straight up. Spoilers. We're, uh, we have to get into spoilers. Hang on, hang on. Okay. We have to get into spoilers here because she says, first of all, it's Aurora Borealis. Can't be God for some reason. That I didn't understand. Again, as somebody who doesn't believe in it, I'm sitting here going, like, what, what's, what's wrong with that? Can't pander to that. Can't pander to that. Can't pander to this other shit. Can't pander to this shit. We got to pick one or the other. Here's one of many, 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 many plot holes in this movie. <laughs> For some reason, the spirit of Justin Long is sending her back. Well, that's what Weirdo says, and it, and <laughs> they they kind of set it up Based in a way on that no information, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and she she knows very little to nothing uh, as far as what the main character has been through other than what she has told Weirdo. And so Yeah, except for her it's a beautiful mind room that she's got going that's, on. That's the only setup that we get for her like being able to figure this out, uh which when when I got to that scene the first time I was like, "Oh, that wasn't explained very well. That's a little weird. And then when I watched it last night again, I thought, well, that's just absolute trash. And you just needed someone there as far mm -hmm. as the writing goes to be able to explain to the main character what has happened. And I didn't even think about the whole this isn't God thing. When she says, I think the spirit of the mayor sent you back because he's mad or whatever. Um, my my thought was, well, how the fuck do you know that? And why would he have that ability from from beyond the grave? And how would he do that? Can everyone who dies do that? Like, it brings up so many goddamn questions that they don't explore at all that it infuriated me. And it's not even about his ability. Like, why would he have the ability? Why would he have the intention? Well, why I mean, I can understand him being of pissed off that she killed him. To send her back to teach her a life lesson that makes her grow as a human being? I mean, that's a fairly good point. Yeah, why, why would point. he have her best interest in growing as a human? Right. It, okay, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's my, yeah, yeah. The, the whole point, the whole point is to send her back to teach her, that, that's why Clarence comes down in the original, and that's the other thing in here, is it is so on the nose with, oh, you're, I'm George Bailey. Yeah. We know that already. <laughs> the movie's called It's a Wonderful Night. And that then bothered the very me too. End, and then the very end where she's like, you weren't George, you were Clarence. While well, you motherfuckers are reaching for some meaning here. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, Mm. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, at this point, I was regularly checking the runtime <laughs> to make sure to see how like, dude, I did it like four or five times. I'm telling you, I was over this shit 30, 40 minutes into well, it. Well, when I saw it in the theater, you know, that part of the reason I like going to the theater is it forces me to just shut my phone down and just straight up focus. It's part of the reason yeah. my hardcore ADHD gets in the way of something I'm not interested in. Even if I don't like the movie, if I'm in a theater, um, part of that appeal is that it forces me to sit through the whole thing and fully pay attention to it. Whereas when I'm here at home, if I'm not into something, I will grab my phone and start flipping through shit and not paying attention fully and and all that stuff and that and I was able to do that on the second watch a little bit a because I'd seen this already and b because a second time through this just doesn't hold up for me so I, I you know I think that if you go into this hoping for it's a wonderful life but horror you're gonna be you can't help but be disappointed by this because it just it gives you all of these ingredients of like we're as good as this movie, right? And then fails to live up to the expectation that itself sets up that you can't help but be let down by it. Yep. 
and 100%. and then you stack the pandering shit on top of it and the the frankly bad dialogue and like you were saying the plot holes and the mostly unlikable characters i think the protagonist is likable enough i think that they do a good job at making you feel for her um well not to mention the propulsion based on convenience explain well things are just ha- like the, the the beautiful mind room she's got like, mm. oh, well, isn't that convenient that she's been doing this? And oh, isn't it convenient that nobody else is talking about Aurora Borealis, even though we go ahead and make a point to say we're not close enough to see Aurora Borealis? Why isn't there a peer full of people going, what the <laughs> fuck? I mean, that's fair. Like, if that yeah. shit showed up in Colorado, I'd be camping in my backyard to watch it. Right. I mean, that's, so yeah. I mean, so we 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 have a we have a story here that is propelled along in its first half by events, and its second half by convenience. Well, and that's what I mean by propulsion via convenience. But don't you think that? And this is part of the part of the reason I've had such a hard time finding good horror this year. Um, don't you think that this has become? like kind of gimmicky. Uh, well, I was going to say a problem for just about every modern lower budget horror movie at this point. Like, I feel like we say this shit a lot over and over mm-hmm. again, especially this year from movies from this year. And then you Wait have, until you see the one I made. <laughs> well, and then you have stuff like X Pearl barbarian, the lighthouse, the witch shit like that, that does that, that does horror in such a good way that doesn't feel pandering and yet still has a lot to say about, uh, I mean, you could, we could talk for fucking, and we did, we could talk for hours about X's meaning and Pearl's meaning and barbarians meaning and all of this stuff. Barbarian specifically says so much about sexual assault. I'm sorry, S a and, and grape, and and all of the, all of this stuff and how horrible I, f- I know how liberal we live in. I, I know for a fact because I am a huge whitest kids, you know, fan how liberal Zach Krager is and how extreme he is with those liberal views. Despite that, Barbarian does not feel super hyper pandering and like he's trying to shove some stuff down your throat in the same way mm-hmm. that most of the other horror movies that I have seen talk to me comes to mind. I think I think what you're touching on, though, is a big part of why I'm not a huge horror fan is because so much of horror lacks so much substance now. Well, and th- this is part of the reason I get so frustrated when stuff like the Boogeyman and Smile and the Duke. Uh, and, and, you know, stuff where they try to have hidden meaning behind it, but they just do it the same way that everybody else has been doing it for the 10, the last 10 or 15 years that it just mm-hmm. feels used up and, and like cobweb, for instance, cobwebs main villain. We, we said whenever we reviewed that movie, I'll link that below. If I remember to, um, we said in that movie, like, why is she just the ring girl? Like, this is just another used up idea that horror as they're just trying to wring it dry of every little drop that they can. And and it's so hard to put substance into horror when that's not really (laughs) that's not really where horror comes from. The ability to put substance into it. It's if you go back to the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, nature, sure. And and so it's it's weird to try to put I, and art house horror is some of my favorite shit to be fair and I don't think every movie needs to be super uh, super in depth study a character study so looking at it through that lens I kind of feel like like we're complaining a lot about it's a wonderful knife trying to push its views and like be deeper than it actually is and then not actually provide any substance. But on the other hand, why do I need that out of a horror movie? Why is that something that people feel the incessant need to, if you want to do that, write a thriller or an indie comedy I don't, or, uh, you know, I, I don't know. My, my argument is this. Um, the issue is not your need for it. The issue is that it's not there in movies anymore in general. Um, say say movies, that again. You, you broke up a little bit. 
my issue, I, I don't think the issue here is your need for substance, is your need for movies to um, make a gigantic impact because they don't have to do that. The problem is we don't really have any of them doing that anymore. That's true. I, if we go back and look at Scream, the reason Scream basically redefined a genre of, of horror was not because it was this super in-depth study of characters. It was because it was a new, fresh idea on how to kill teenagers in a movie. Like, right, exactly. It was creative. And meta and, that's the, and weird. Yeah. And, th and that's the problem is I feel, I feel like this comic book, comic book movie mentality that we have just bashed into the ground ad nauseum yeah. is now is basically affecting the industry as a whole. And we can even, I mean, we can make a whole episode on that, but I think the issue there is not so much that these projects don't get created, that they don't exist. It's what's getting greenlit. And that's why I said mostly joking, but now that I'm thinking about it, not joking, um, this is the story of a girl trying to figure out her life while the rest of us get to figure out how the fuck this dumpster fire got greenlit. Because I don't understand, uh, I understand, I don't understand how this shit keeps getting greenlit other than a cash grab, other than making money. And when you have something that does want to make a statement about marginalized groups, about whatever it might be, in this in this case, it is marginalized groups. When you have it to the point, when, when you're putting a story out there that's putting out that message and it feels pandering and it doesn't feel like, and as somebody who fully supports these groups and fully supports equal rights for people, and I and and I'm sitting here going like, dude, you're not helping anybody. Granted, my opinion doesn't mean as much as somebody in those groups, but you know me, I'm a pretty liberal person actually. And when I'm sitting here going like getting angry that like, hey, you had an opportunity to make a statement here and you squandered it, I think that's indicative of something. What it is, I don't know exactly, but well. There you have it. I mean, I, I agree. And I, I finally found the budget. This has a budget of $27 million, which is way fucking higher than I thought it was. Way wow. higher, which makes me actually think, like, what the fuck? You That's how they got Justin Long. Oh, and Joel McHale, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I McHale, love yeah. Justin Long. I think Justin Long's great in just about, in most stuff that he does, he'll always have a soft spot in my heart because he did Tusk. And Tusk is one of the weirdest fucking off the wall movies that has ever been made. And it's weird and creative and different and strange. And he's fantastic in it. And it doesn't send a message. And it, it's just a dumb fucking horror movie. Yes, It's a dumb fucking horror movie, but it was creative. And that's what we're trying to say exactly. here is that it, the, the creativity is just gone. It's just everything is a propaganda film now. And I don't care what the writer of It's a Wonderful Knife feels about the world and its events going on within it. I just don't give a shit. And and this narcissistic idea. I don't think they do either, actually. This narcissistic idea from Hollywood where it feels like I need to tell everyone how I feel about everything all the time drives me fucking crazy. And I don't right. need that in every horror movie. And it's starting right. to feel like we're getting that in every fucking horror movie. And yeah, because there's, well, there's a thin line between the, you're there to entertain me, shut the fuck up. And I need to know your opinion and take it to heart. Yeah. And there's a, there's a fine line because I don't, I don't subscribe to this whole mentality that celebrities don't have an opinion, that they don't deserve to have an opinion. I don't subscribe to that mentality at all. Everybody was doing it with like Colin Kaepernick, like you're paid to play football. Yeah, well, he's paid to play football. He's also in a position where he can go ahead and get a message out there in a way that other people are not able to. However, however, Hollywood historically has this bad Hollywood has this history of having a mentality of um Hollywood is Sean Penn now you mean Sean Penn is Hollywood as a human being <laughs> as a human being yes 
Sean Penn <laughs> and his smug ass elitist <laughs> bullshit and him and fucking Mel Gibson's acceptance speech. It's that's what Hollywood is now. And a lot of it is because of the way that we elevate these celebrities to such a high status when they're as big of a piece of shit as you and I. Well, um, God damn it. I, yeah, I, I keep trying to come around to us talking about the plot in this, but it's so this movie is so Steep. overshadowed by its attempted messaging that it's almost impossible if if that is something that you generally have a problem with of Hollywood and and movies shoving it, their ideals down your throat, if that's something that you have an issue with, you're going to have a really hard time watching this movie. And it's not even something that is like the super hyper focus of the film. And, and and frankly, it's something that I didn't even really pay any attention to the first time I watched this, because I, like I said, was in the mood for just take me wherever the fuck you want to take me. I'm down. Let's go. And I had a lot of fun seeing it through that lens. This second time around, though, when I watched it with the idea of I am reviewing this film, all I can think is, dude, lighten the fuck up. I don't mm -hmm. need this in a slasher movie, especially yep. one that is named It's a Wonderful Knife when the original movie is, is this classic film and it automatically sets up expectations that if you're going to fail to meet, you at least need to give me awesome slasher parts. And to be well, fair, there are some cool kills in this. There's some cool slasher parts. Yeah. I think the angel, the yeah. killer, it's... It's an awesome killer. I think the suit is cool. The way he kills and stalks people is awesome. He's scary. The slasher side of this is really goddamn fun, but it is so overshadowed by its messaging and the, 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 the failing to meet the expectations that it sets up by its name. And if we were to change the name from it's a wonderful knife to something else, you could still have all of these same messages and the idea that is built into this movie, into the core idea of the plot. You could still have all of that. And I don't think that it would play in the same way that it does with the name. It's a wonderful knife. And you could get away with maybe doing more of that. And, and less setting up these expectations you fail to meet. Well, the uh, the source material that this movie's pulling from actually had a very uh, sociopolitical focus on it as well. Uh, I mean, I it's guess, a Wonderful yeah, Life. That's true. It's a Wonderful Life is very much a Christmas movie about how the rich affect the poor mm -hmm. and the extremes that they'll push the poor to. Um, the original, and it does it in a very um, concise uh, educated, intelligent, well-written way. Um, the, the the contrast between this movie and the very source material it's, uh, you know, supposedly pulling from. I don't think there's really another way of putting it, though. Uh, the, the the original source material had a message to it. It did. You're right. It, it, you're right. It, it, I was kind of skipping over that, but you're right. You're right. No, but I think we need to focus on that so it doesn't make us sound like we're sitting here going, quit putting messages down our throats. Yeah. We're not talking about not having a message here. We're talking about having your message done in a way that does service to the movie and, it's and to the message because otherwise, all you need to do is go make a blog post. Yeah, that's true. Why do you need to make a movie if you all you want to do is get your core values out into the world? There are other ways to do that that would be yeah. more effective than making a movie aimed at a generation that doesn't have the reference point to the thing you're referencing. Right. Because then what you're doing is you're not making you're not making a piece of art. You're co-opting an art form. Yeah. And that's the problem is this movie feels and, and again, I felt way differently on the first viewing than I did the second viewing. But this movie feels as though it was written in, in, a, in such a way that would be like, hey, we're on your side, right? Like, you like this, right? And it goes back to that, mm -hmm. dead, that dead mouse beat that we always reference. Do you remember what it's I'm catchy. talking about? It's, you like it's it. catchy. You like it. And and it's just so snarky. And that's and 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 jaded. 
but that's what this feels like. Hey, yep. we're cool and hip. You like this, right? And and meanwhile, it was written by Michael Kennedy. I, now I need to know how old he is just because I... Uh, that was actually going to be... I was literally just going to ask you that. Um, uh, oh, Lord. He's like 50. I, these look like two different people. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, I think this is him. He's 70. He doesn't look 70 here. There's no way. This has got to be somebody else. Are you sure that's him? Click on the link. <clears throat> this is. Sure. This right here definitely is because that's the same guy from the IMDb page. Yep. Um, he's definitely not 70, though. Uh, screenwriter, Wikipedia. Here we go. Um, does it have his birthday? I don't know. Have you seen the guy that played uh, the main character in Karate Kid? Motherfucker's in his 60s. He looks younger than we do. I mean, that's true. But that's because we've aged poorly from drug, alcohol, and lack of caring. Yup. <laughs> uh, I can't find this guy's age. Um, and normally, before somebody goes off on that one, too, because I know we're going to see shit in the comments. Um, I, I don't care. It's not that we care about his age. It's that it feels like old it feels like old white men are just co-opting movements now to make a fucking right, buck right that's the core thing of what we're saying here disney yeah. disney's a great example do you think bob Iger gives a fuck about the lgbtq community nope he does when it makes him money and by the way i want to say here directly to the LGBTQ community. Please start calling it LGBT community. <laughs> okay, well, this was less <laughs> of a review of It's a Wonderful Knife and more of It's a Wonderful Knife represents everything fucking wrong with modern day Hollywood and horror movies. I think yep. that this is just a shitty... Uh, and I feel so weird saying this because I came out of that theater really liking this film. And then... You know, you start thinking about it, you rewatch it, you see what everybody else is saying on Letterboxd and reviews and and Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff. And it's like this did feel really heavy handed in its messaging and it's hard to look past. And mm -hmm. I don't think that this is a movie that anyone is going to remember in a matter of 10 years because of that very thing. When we were when we did Better Watch Out last week, by the way, thank you for all the support on that video. Um, oh, my God. I know. Right. Uh, when we did that, you know, that movie says a lot about incels and and everything that we said. I'll link that down below as well. If you want to go watch that, that movie says a lot about that stuff without being overtly in your face about it. And yep. And and it's built into the character. Exactly. The, the character and the plot are all helped by the way that the, all of these kids act. And and it just doesn't feel that way. And it's a wonderful knife. So. Um, let's go ahead and turn this into uh, turn this into a review if we can. So give me your final thoughts and your ratings on It's a Wonderful Knife. Um, we're gonna just take away we're gonna take away the uh, the messaging behind it. Um, it is uh, a I've said it before in this review. I'm gonna say it for the fifth time now. This movie is a dumpster fire from the very beginning to the very end, and the only twists and turns are the degrees to which it becomes a dumpster fire and the aspects of it that make it said dumpster fire. Um, uh, it starts with a bad color grade. We uh, get introduced to characters that who fucking gives a shit about them. Uh, the interactions between the characters are bad. It is uh, it's poorly written. It's boring. It's it lacks complete substance. It's full of plot holes. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And it's only redeeming qualities uh, from an on screen perspective are the filming aspects and the kills. Um, by the time we get to the end of this movie, I don't give a fuck if she even lives or dies. I really didn't. Um, personally, if I were there, I would have chucked her off into the ocean myself. <laughs> I would I would have been two characters. I, I would have been two, I would have been one character. I would have been Clarence 
as the murderer, throwing George Bailey into the river, diving in to save him under the auspices of saving him, only to hold his head underwater so we could end this fucking piece of shit quicker. So what's your rating? I gave it a 4 out of 10 on Letterboxd. I'm going to lower that to a 2.5 on Letterboxd because I hated it. Yeah, so for me, like I said, the first time I watched this, I was a little bit more into it, or a lot more into it than the second time I watched it. I think that a second watch of this film only does it disservice. I think that if you can go into this with the expectations of I'm okay with going wherever this thing goes, you're going to like it a little bit more. If you are not bothered by the pandering nonsense in this film, then you're going to like it a little bit more than somebody that is easily bothered by that stuff. And I'm not saying that uh, there's anything wrong with any of the stuff they're trying to pander to, but nope. pandering is pandering is pandering. So and it does nobody is exactly. So doing doing uh, all of that pandering in this film only hurts it. I think that the most of the characters I don't really care about either. I think the main character is likable enough and I don't mind her at all. And at the end it, it, they try to wrap everything up in this box that just feels like they're they're literally wrapping a Christmas present and they're like, it's nice, right? Everything worked out just fine and everything's nice. I don't care for that, although I get where they're coming from with the source material and everything else. All of it just feels forced and pandering and shitty. The script is not great. The characters are not great. The lighting is okay. The cinematography is even okay. I like the kills. The mask and the, and the killer are both very yep. cool, although sure. super underutilized. I think that you could do you could lean way more into the slasher side of this and a little bit less into the It's a Wonderful Life side of this and still come out with a very fun, cool movie. I think Thanksgiving is a prime example of that. Thanksgiving is a surface level slasher and it doesn't try to say shit, which is the exact polar opposite of this movie. And I really fucking enjoyed Thanksgiving because it is a surface level 80s or probably more like 90s style slasher. And that is what I wanted from It's a Wonderful Knife. And that is not at all what it is. So for me, I the first time I watched this, I rated this a seven. I brought this down to a five. I think that I could probably go lower if I really, really, really wanted to poke holes in this whole thing. Um, but this is just not, especially on a fucking rewatch, man. It is, I was disinterested and disengaged the entire fucking movie. So I just don't see me watching this ever again, probably now that I've seen it twice. I don't feel the need to like further explore anything that is brought up in this film. I don't feel the need to 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 sit down and like read the script because the writing is so good. I I don't feel the need to do any of that stuff with this film because there's not a lot here that it offers. So this th this movie is like getting is like unboxing a Christmas present that you know the gift or got is a wedding gift and just kept the box for. <laughs> or or another way to say this is this is uh, the McDonald's of films. You get a lot of calories, but not a lot of substance out of it. And mm -hmm. and it it tries so hard to be this amazing burger that you're really going to enjoy, but it can't help but drip pander grease all over everything when you pick it up. And and they just try to squeeze all that grease they can out of it. And it doesn't fucking work for me, even if. There are some pretty cool parts in this. So this is a pandy meal filled with a pander burger. Okay, so I know this is probably um, not necessarily the greatest review of a movie ever, but I think that this film is really indicative of what we've been yelling about for the better part of a year now about how horror and Hollywood are just in this place that feel bad and maybe um you know uh, we're super jaded on the whole thing uh, that's entirely possible and we're kind of assholes anyway so you know that's that's also part of this whole thing but if you like this make sure you hit the like button if you really liked it make sure you hit the subscribe button because we got a lot more content like this on this channel thank you guys so much for supporting that last video that we put up so much i i i can't tell you how like disenfranchised that we can feel sometimes on this channel because it feels like we're screaming into the darkness of the void and, and no one hears it 
And it is so refreshing when we just we we talk about some shitty movie that we we either like or don't dislike and people really get what the fuck we're trying to say. And I hope that that came across in this one as well, because we're not trying to be hateful all the time. It It's just that when we see stuff like this movie, um, you know, we can't help but feel like, uh, you know, what the fuck is happening? Especially me. This is my favorite fucking genre. Not everything needs to be super dark and super deep and super poignant and super pandering. So thank you guys for supporting everything that we've been doing the last few weeks. We really fucking super appreciate it. If you got all the way to the end of this, you're a fucking hero. You are the person we made this for. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys next time for Run the Deep. Uh, bye bye. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs>